in my opinion, in my um, uh, eschatological opinion, this has not happened yet in heaven. It wasn't, didn't happen 2,000 years ago when John looked and saw the vision. Because once the seals are broken, things will take place on the earth. So those seals haven't been broken because the things haven't taken place on earth. So this is yet future in heaven. So he's seeing a prophetic vision of a prophetic event in heaven. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we are looking towards this time when the seven seals will be broken. So I can't imagine what will be happening on earth when this occurrence is occurring in heaven. When the Lamb, you know, who's triumphed, you know, it's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And when you look to see the Lion, what do you see? You see a Lamb looking as if it had been slain. And then the Lamb has triumphed and the elders fall down and worship and the four living creatures fall down and worship. And then the Lamb comes and he grabs a hold of the seals and he starts to break the seals. And then the events occur on earth. So we're going to sort of know in the spirit when that's taking place. I know that. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be it's going to be unbelievable what will be happening with the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in us, amen, what's going to be happening inside of us? There will be things happening down here. I can't imagine what they are. We haven't been told what will be happening inside of the people of God. But I believe the people of God will be waking up. Amen. Waking up to the urgency of the times, to what is about to take place, what God is about to do. Many people would say that he's preparing for the rapture, the rapture of the church. If you believe that, could be happening then. Um, I personally don't, but that's another discussion at another time. But I believe the people of God will be placed in a position of like where Jesus said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise a standard against the enemy. I believe that the standard of his people will be raised and the people will go to a new level of wisdom and strength and power in the spirit and there'll be great miracles taking place and there'll be great events taking place. Because if you think about it, um, back in the days of uh, when Moses went into Egypt, great exploits were done by Moses and Aaron. And that was in, in comparison to what we're heading towards, well it's a type of what we're heading towards, and, uh, but what we're heading towards is something far greater than just the people of God coming out of Egypt. This is the people of God coming out of the earth. That's what we're looking towards. And so these signs that we're seeing, in, in some ways they parallel sort of some of the signs that Moses and Aaron um, were given the authority to release on the earth. Amen. And also there will be two witnesses standing up at that time as well because it says in Revelation 11 that two witnesses will be standing up at that time. And they will be um, having given great power and authority to perform great miracles on the earth as well. So we'll be seeing these two witnesses. And I'm sure they'll be all over the news, won't they? They'll be all over the TV. They'll be followed. They'll be persecuted. They'll be, there'll be all sorts of you know, uh, talk shows done all about them, talking about how, you know, how bad they are and how good they are, etc., etc. So I look forward to these days because there's going to be there's going to be exciting times. And guess what? God will be with His people through it all. God will carry His people through it all. So we don't have to fear. Who, who do we? Who are we supposed to fear as people of God? Fear only God and God alone. We do not fear times. We do not fear events. Amen. So today we're going to be looking uh, or doing part 30 
of the book of Revelation. And we're still in Revelation chapter 5. So if you could turn to chapter 5. I just want to, it's not a very long chapter, so I'm going to read through it with you. Who believes that we're living in in end times? Paul believed it 2,000 years ago. He said these are the last days. These are the last hours. These are the last hours. Yeah, so we're, we're close. We're close to the closing of, of the age. And um, we're seeing it in world affairs, people that study world affairs and, and world events and in, in, in relationship to uh, prophecy can see that we're moving closer and closer to the return of Christ, especially now with the stuff that's going on in the Middle East. It's um, quite mind-blowing. It's frightening, yet also exciting mm. at the same time. Because when the Lord returns, it's, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Mm. And we're going to be rejoicing down here, not hiding in the rocks like the elite. Mm. All right, so um, Revelation 5, and it says this, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. So that's a really powerful picture, isn't it? Now, I want, to, want you to keep in mind that this is leading up to the breaking of the seven seals. So in my opinion, in my um, uh, eschatological opinion this has not happened yet in heaven it wasn't, didn't happen 2000 years ago when John looked and saw the vision because once the seals are broken things will take place on the earth so those seals haven't been broken because the things haven't taken place on earth so this is yet future in heaven so he's seeing a prophetic vision of a prophetic event in heaven does that make sense? Yeah. so we are looking towards this time when the seven seals will be broken. So I can't imagine what will be happening on earth 
when this occurrence is occurring in heaven. When the Lamb, you know, who's triumphed, you know, it's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And when you look to see the Lion, what do you see? You see a Lamb looking as if it had been slain. And then the Lamb has triumphed and the elders fall down and worship and the four living creatures fall down and worship. And then the Lamb comes and he grabs a hold of the seals and he starts to break the seals. And then the events occur on earth. So we're going to sort of know in the Spirit when that's taking place. I know that. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be... It's going to be unbelievable what will be happening with the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in us, amen, what's going to be happening inside of us? There will be things happening down here. I can't imagine what they are. We haven't been told what will be happening inside of the people of God. But I believe the people of God will be waking up. Amen. Waking up to the urgency of the times, to what is about to take place, what God is about to do. Many people would say that he's preparing for the rapture, the rapture of the church, if you believe that could be happening then. Um, I personally don't, but that's another discussion at another time. But I believe the people of God will be placed in a position of like where Jesus said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise a standard against the enemy. I believe that the standard of his people will be raised and the people will go to a new level of wisdom and strength and power in the spirit and there'll be great miracles taking place and there'll be great events taking place. Because if you think about it, um, Back in the days of uh, when Moses went into Egypt, great exploits were done by Moses and Aaron. And that was in, in comparison to what we're heading towards, well, it's a type of what we're heading towards, and, uh, but what we're heading towards is something far greater than just the people of God coming out of Egypt. This is the people of God coming out of the earth. That's what we're looking towards. And so these signs that we're seeing... In, in some ways, they parallel sort of some of the signs that Moses and Aaron um, were given the authority to release on the earth. Amen. And also, there will be two witnesses standing up at that time as well, because it says in Revelation 11 that two witnesses will be standing up at that time. And they will be um, having given great power and authority to perform great miracles on the earth as well. So we'll be seeing these two witnesses. And I'm sure they'll be all over the news, won't they? They'll be all over the TV. They'll be followed. They'll be persecuted. They'll be, there'll be all sorts of you know, uh, talk shows done all about them, talking about how, you know, how bad they are and how good they are, etc., etc. So I look forward to these days because there's going to be exciting times. And guess what? God will be with his people through it all. God will carry his people through it all. So we don't have to fear. Who, who, do we, who are we supposed to fear as people of God? Fear only God and God alone. We do not fear times. We do not fear events. Amen? All right, so that's the Revelation 5. Now, we've gone through verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. We've gone through 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. We are now going to be looking at 5.11, which is the great assembly of angels. There was three songs sung in heaven during this period. The first song was sung by the 24 elders and the four living creatures. And they sang this song, which is, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign forever and ever. But then there's this great assembly, a great assembly of angels, and they sang another song, which is, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then there was another assembly, which is every creature. Every creature. It says, this, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth. Now we're part of his creation, so we're a creature as well. So every creature, and they sing this, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. So three songs sung in, the, in that short period of time. Well, if it was short, it's probably because it was a short chapter, but it was probably a longish period of time. Alright, so then in verse 12 we get, get the angels singing. In verse 13, all creation sings. And I, I can't understand the, the all there because there's still creation down on earth that's about to, the seals are about to be broken and there's things are going to be happening on earth. So I don't know how all creation can be singing that song, if you know what I'm trying to get to there. So uh, it could be a translational thing. Does your Bible say anything different to all creation? And every created thing. Every created which thing. Which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. Right. And they sang this song. Mm. Oh, that's what the word says. So we have to... Sorry? Yeah, you got to get your head around that. The four living creatures and elders also worship in, in verse 14. So Revelation 5, 11 to 12 is what we just read earlier. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power. So this is a picture, and this same picture we see in Daniel. If we can turn to Daniel, in Daniel 7, verse 10. We should go back to uh, verse 9. Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. This is the angels, the count of angels. Thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. Now, these words in, in the ancient Hebrew, the words they were using for 10,000 was the largest actual number they could use. It translates to English 10,000 times 10,000. We know that that's a fairly big number, but we know there's bigger numbers than that. But if you think about it, it's like saying multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes unnumbering. We can't count them, how many are there. Um, so 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And what does the book, uh, book of Revelation say at that point? When the books were opened, there was also a book called the Book of Life. And it was opened. How important is the Book of Life? Yeah, very. If your name's not in it, what's, what happens? You get thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Your name must be in the Book of Life. Then I continued to watch and... Uh, because of the boastful words, the horn was speaking, this was Satan. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The, the other beasts that had been stripped of the throne but were allowed to live for a period of time. That parallels with the white throne judgment in the book of Revelation, what they're saying right there. This is the beautiful thing about the Bible. Everything has a companion scripture or two or three or four or fifty or a hundred. Every, every doctrine, it's not just one statement and then we can't find anywhere else in the Bible that gives us more clearer understanding of what that scripture is talking about. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So in my vision at night, 
I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. Now in this uh, account of the book of Revelation, Jesus, uh, the father was there, but there was no one in heaven or earth who could open the scroll. But they said, look, here's the line of the tribe of Judah. And he, he, he was seen as a lamb. But the, he, in this vision, he sees one coming like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, who is the Father, God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority. And this is what it says here in, in the book of Revelation as well, in the chapter 5. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. So, Because it says in the book of Revelation that every creature will worship him, they will sing a song. Every creature. That means all those that believed in Jesus while they lived on earth and all those that didn't believe in Jesus while they lived on earth, they will all worship Jesus. Every knee shall bow. bow. Every tongue shall confess. And you know why they'll worship? Because that'll be their last ditch effort to try to get into the kingdom of heaven. It'll be like, I'm going to worship you because you're real. And the power and the glory coming off you is so real... It's frightening, and I am going to worship you, and that's going to be too late. Amen? It's going to be too late. The Bible says every single man, woman, and child under, in, that's ever lived will one day bow the knee before him. So we worship the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We're in the right faith. That's another way of saying it. We're in the right faith. We're not in the faith of the Hindus where they have 330 million gods and everyone can choose the god that they want to worship. That's deception. That's deception. They're not worshipping gods. The Bible tells us they're worshipping, worshipping demons. Yes. Absolute demons. And if you find out much about Allah, Allah is not a personal god. You can't get to know Allah. The, uh, the Allah of the, the Muslims. But Allah, in, of the Christian, because they use the same name, Allah, it means God in... in their language, but the Christians use the same Allah, but the Allah that they're referring to is our God. But that you have to be Christian to believe in our God. Amen? Because Jesus Christ must be edified. Amen? Jesus Christ is the King. Not Muhammad. Muhammad's not greater than Jesus. Jesus is not just another prophet. He's not. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He created everything with a word. Actually, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. It's Jesus Christ. He created all things. He's God. And he came, divested himself of all, or not all, many of his attributes to become a human, because he couldn't bring them all down here, because no one would be able to stand in his presence. You know, no one can look upon the face of God and live. You had to release some of it. And he had to do that so that he was able to be a human. Amen. So this is our king. This is our king. We are in the right faith. Only the Christians. I've said this so many times. Only the Christians can pray and reach God, the Father. Only the Christians can pray and reach God and cause good things to happen on this earth. That is according to the will of God. No one else who does not use the name of Jesus Christ can pray. Don't get a Hindu to pray for you. It does no good. You'll just get demons in your life. You know? You can't turn to the new age and expect to find Jesus Christ. You'll find a deceiver. You'll find Satan. He'll come as an angel of light and deceive you. 
only Jesus. And once you've resolved that, that there's only Jesus, and I am going to be a stickler to the word, and I'm going to stay within its, you know, uh, within the uh, confines of the word, safely in there, you know, because this is the arc of life. This is what carries us through this life. If we stay in there, we don't get deceived with the rest of men. Because there is a sweeping deception coming upon the earth. It's sweeping now and it's sweeping Christians in. How many Christians were voting for, you know, gay marriage? The Bible does not speak that, you know, to be gay and to get married is the right thing to do. It says the opposite. You know, but Christians get deceived. They get deceived because ministers compromise. People compromise. They compromise the word and slowly their faith is compromised. And the sweeping deception is coming upon the earth and it's going to carry many people into hell. Because the word says that broad is the road that leads to destruction and multitudes travel this broad road. But narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Only a few make it and get on it. So we've got to be really, you know, stickless to the words, but we've got to know the word. Amen? How do you, how do you not get deceived? Know the truth better than the deception that comes your way, you know, so you can see through it. I'm always amazed, you know, like, um, I know Christian people not that don't come to this church and will talk about certain things that they believe. And I'll say, yeah, but the Word of God says this. And they'll go, oh, does it? I go, haven't you read that part? It's a New Testament scripture and, you know, and they'll, they'll be sort of amazed that I so quickly could see that what they were believing was false, but they couldn't see it because they don't read this thing. You know, if you don't read it, how do you get to know it? And thankfully, this church is a Bible reading church, amen? No guilty faces around here. <laughs> but we've got to be, amen? If you can't read, if you haven't got time to read it, put on a Bible app. We've got all the luxuries today. You can just listen to it. Listen to the Bible. You know, while you're driving along in your car, put the Bible on. Now, Revelation 4.11, let's go there. And it says again here, it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And they're talking about God the Father and, and the Lord Jesus. The living creatures and the 24 elders, when they sang their song, they acknowledged that the Lamb purchased men. That's what they were singing about, that you purchased men for, for themselves. And the angels, they acknowledged his worthiness to be praised, that he is worthy. It's like declaring before all creation, this God is worthy to be praised and worshipped. And then all creatures acknowledge that he is on the throne. If you read the words, in essence, because it says to him who sits on the throne. So all creation will see him on the throne. The angels declare he's worthy and the elders say he purchased you with his own blood. And that was, that's the sequence of those three songs that are sung in heaven. And they're very, that's very applicable, isn't it, to that situation, that scenario. So all creation sing, Revelation 13 to 14, and they said, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Now... Again, what I said earlier is a bit of a conundrum or a bit of a sticking point for me. And I'll tell you now, I don't fully understand this bit. 
This is before the seven seals are about to be broken. That means that there's people on earth that are in rebellion. There's people on earth that are following Christ or whatever, and they're about to break the seals, and things are about to happen down on earth. And it says that many people get killed and, and so on. But in heaven, it says that all creation... Now, is that another prophetic event? I'm not sure of something even forward from that moment. Well, how I see it is yep. chapter, chapter 5 is like an introduction. So it's just kind of a pre-summary. Pre-summary. And then it starts again. Yeah. That's how, that's and so you reckon it, it shoots to the end? After yeah, it's it, all been it, done? Goes, the whole chapter 5 is like, it's all in a row. Yeah. And then it starts in more detail. Yeah. That, that's how I read it. That's and then it goes through and recaps and, 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 and comes around. Well, that's what I believe as well. I do believe that the seven seals and then the seven trumpets and the seven bowls of God's wrath, in essence, are, are recurring prophecies of the same thing. Um, but we'll go into that in more detail as we go along as well. Um, but yeah. Can you yeah. clarify what you mean by that? You're saying the seven trumpets. Yes. Oh, well, if I was to clarify, I would have to, that's another sermon altogether. <laughs> and you're going to enjoy it too. And I have, have sort of done, done one now. There's one uh, called the Apocalyptic Parallels. Um, and I paralleled the seven trumpets and the seven bowls of God's wrath. And it's very clear to see, and even the discrepancies you can see, because I've gone through them as well, as best I could. So uh, if you want to take, a, take that down, but it takes me about... 45 minutes to go through that. But as we go through this, um, I've got even more to add to that as well because since I've, been, since I've done that sermon, there's more stuff coming in um, that I want to uh, uh, give you in it. Um, but I'll, I'll just, just to give you a bit of insight into that, now, I think you're going to take me away from the sermon. Sorry. Um, that's all right. <laughs> all right. Um, if you go to chapter 10... No, that's all right. I'll just quickly say this now that we're on it. Um, go back to uh, go to chapter ten. So if you could shoot through to chapter ten, verse eleven, and it says this. It says, "Then I was told." Or just before we read that, actually, I'll just explain that the seven uh, trumpets had all been blown, and the, se uh, the oh, sorry, the six trumpets had all been blown, and it. And then by Revelation 11, but, or just before it, when the seventh trumpet gets blown, John is told in verse 11 of chapter 10, you must prophesy again about many people's languages, uh, nations and kings. So when I read that, that was the first point when I go, oh, you must prophesy again. What does that mean? You must prophesy again. Because he's just done this major prophecy about the, the trumpets, the seven trumpets. And then he says, before the seventh trumpet is blown and you see the end of this prophecy, you must prophesy again about all these same things you've just prophesied about, but in a different way. So that meant to me that there was another vision that he's going to receive, which is going to be similar to this one, but explain it in a slightly different way. Now, when, when I uh, saw that, I thought, well, hang on, what happened in the Old Testament? And we get uh, Joseph um, having a dream interpreting a dream of Pharaoh and you get the uh, seven fat calves or fat cows whatever they were and then seven lean cows and then he also saw a dream of seven full ears of corn or, or wheat and seven lean ones now that didn't when we got the interpretation uh, Joseph said they are one of the same 
It's the same dream from two different perspectives. So the animals are going to starve and the, and, and the weed is going to also diminish or the corn is going to diminish. So what he's, in seeing that, um, we see that it wasn't seven years of, of, uh, of prosperity and much uh, abundance and seven years of leanness and then another seven years and then another seven years. Do you know what I mean? It was just one, one, one thing. One of the same thing. One of the same thing. So I thought, now, was that happening in the book of Revelation? And I know there has been people that have already had these discoveries. Like, I know um, Judah and Jesse have had these discoveries and, and so on, and I know other people have as well. But the prevailing teaching today is that, that that's not how it is taught. They, that they teach it as there's seven seals that are broken, then there's seven trumpets, and then there's seven bowls of God's wrath. So 21 in all. Um, however, I beg to differ with that, only because at the end of these times we see like at the end of the seven trumpets we see the end is complete it's done it's finished then at the end of the seven bowls of wrath it's all finished again so what is it it gets finished and then it gets unraveled and it starts again and then it gets finished again is that how it works I think it's a continuation well that's what they think is a continuation yeah yeah, yeah. to me yeah well you would think that but in the seventh trumpet it says yeah. that um, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. This is in verse uh, 15. So the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. So at that point when, in, when the seventh trumpet was blown, the kingdom of the world has become his then and there. You don't have to wait another seven bowls of God's wrath because the same announcement, or extremely similar, is announced at the end of the seven bowls of God's wrath as well. So then does that mean that that's one of the same? Yeah, one of the same event. And then if you, if you watch my video, the Apocalyptic Parallels, you will see that uh, the sixth bowl of God's wrath and the sixth trumpet parallel each other. The fifth one does, the fourth one does, the third one does, the second one does. And only the first one sounds slightly different, but when you put them together, you can see that they easily fit together as well. Um, but they don't sound different in the sense that it, it, it's just it's... They don't say anything that's the same in each other, but the thread of it is, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it parallels. Yeah, sorry guys if I've, I've just digressed a little bit there. No, we're, we're learning. We're learning, good, good. Anyway, that's a brief, a brief overview of that, but if you, can, if you look at that video, you should be uh, blessed by it. Now, every knee shall bow, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, um, whose, whose Bible here says, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Yep, yep. Um, I like the King James Version right here, where it says, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. A lot of people that don't believe that Jesus is God will use this verse, which says, do not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So what they say, well, he doesn't think you can grasp equality with God. But the Bible, uh, the King James Bible, which translates the words differently, says, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus didn't think it was robbing God the Father to consider himself equal to the Father. And when we say equal... Equal in the sense of uh, a son and a father being of the same kind. Does that make sense? Jesus is of the same kind as the father. He is as God as God is. 
my son, uh, John, is the same kind as me. He's a human like me, right? And now he can rise to be greater than me. And we don't really consider ourselves greater or lesser anyway, but you know what I mean? But Jesus didn't consider himself greater than the Father, did he? He never said he was greater than the Father. Actually, he always submitted to his Father as Father. But that didn't make him not God. It made him that it showed that he honoured God the Father. Just as my son honours me, he doesn't think he's my father. He doesn't try to change the roles. You're not the father, I'm the father. No, can't be that. Now, it also says, who being in very nature God. So it's telling us, Jesus is in the very nature God. And the reason I bring this up is because there's a huge movement. Huge. It's massive. It's one of the things that is stripping people's faith all over the world. And remember, these videos go online. So it gets out to a lot of people. Um, a huge movement today of people who do not think Jesus is God. Has anyone come into contact with anyone like that? Yeah. They will argue with you black and blue, and they've got their scriptures, but none of them uh, should be considered, uh, you know, uh, what they're trying to tell you they are saying. That it's not what they're saying. But there's a huge movement. We all know that Jehovah's Witnesses don't think that Jesus is God. They think Jesus is the Archangel Michael. Christian Delphians do not think that Jesus is God. Um, and there's quite a few other groups, Christian Science and all that, of course they don't. Um, but there's also in the evangelical circles, in the emerging church circles, um, and these are mega churches, these are big churches with, with thousands and thousands of people who call themselves Christian who do not think that Jesus is God. I think that personally, I think the entire revelation of the New Testament is that Jesus is God. I think that's what the whole thing moves us towards to believe. Amen? If you, can't, if you read the whole New Testament, you don't come to the conclusion that it's trying to tell us that Jesus is God, then I think you've got to read it again. And again. <laughs> and again. Which is what we should do anyway. So it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself nothing. By choice. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. So he appeared as a man. He took on a flesh nature. Where's another part of Scripture in the Old Testament where Jesus appeared as a man? Can anyone tell me? Anyone know another time where Jesus came to earth? Melchizedek. Melchizedek, yeah. Melchizedek. Very good. Very good. I believe that. We can go into that. Now, I'm not going to go down that road right now. <laughs> Melchizedek road. Um, what's a... We can talk about it afterwards, over a coffee. Um, so, Melchizedek, what else? Who Genesis. else? Genesis, where? In the garden. In the garden, yeah. That was, I believe that was Jesus walking in the garden. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about with Abraham? The three witnesses oh, came, or the, uh, there was two that went oh, down yes, to Sodom, because yes. the three came before Abraham, and then only two ended up in Sodom. Yes. Um, there's also an account where Moses and Joshua would... Uh, in the time when they were in the desert, they would go into the tabernacle and they would meet and speak with Jesus, or didn't say Jesus there, of course, meet with God face to face. But only a few verses before they say that, it says that you cannot see the face of God and live. You know, and remember, Moses had to be hidden by the hand of God while God passed by and then his hand was removed and he just saw the back of God and the glory that came upon him was just magnificent. He was so glorified that he had to put a veil over his face. But then he used to meet with God in the tabernacle 
face to face. Is that a contradiction? Seems to be, doesn't it? Seems to be, but it's not, is it? Because God the Father, you cannot see the face of God the Father and live, but you can see the face, the face of, of the Son. Because yeah. he can divest himself of the level of glory that the Father has. There's also, in the millennium, we spend a thousand years with Jesus. Jesus' Son. Then after the millennium's finished, and there's a rebellion that occurs, after that, then God the Father comes. And God the Father will come. It'll be the first coming of God the Father, and he'll come to earth. But we will have to be in our imperishable bodies to be able to look upon God the Father. Because you can't die in an imperishable body. So we'll be able to gaze upon the Father and live. But it will be a most magnificent time you'll ever experience, is to see God the Father. So that's a few, about a thousand and a bit years away, so we've got to wait for that one. But we're going to enjoy Jesus for a thousand years, aren't we? Mm -hmm. It's going to be amazing. Uh, so five, uh, to, uh, verse 5 to 11, and it says, But he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that powerful? And what I find interesting is straight after that verse where we're told of how Jesus is glorified by God the Father to the highest place. And you can read in Ephesians also about how he's glorified. Uh, in verse 12 it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he's telling Christians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Be careful. Walk carefully. Now, I'm not saying that. The Bible's telling me that. The Bible tells us, be careful how you live your Christian life. Because you don't want to get deceived. You don't want to be led astray. You don't want to turn your back on Jesus Christ. You don't want to, you know, um, end up on the broad road that leads to destruction. You want to stay on that narrow road that leads to life. And therefore, that's what the church has been instituted to do. The church was set in place to make sure that people stay upon the narrow road and that they're taught, according to the Scripture, what the Scriptures say about how to live the Christian life and how to work it out with fear and trembling. And when we say fear and trembling, it's knowing that God is an omnipotent God and a powerful God, a God, like Jesus says, I'll tell you who you should fear, fear him who after the killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, fear him. So he's saying fear him. And if you fear him, you will not fear anything else. And fear, the fear of God will keep us from sin. The fear of God will keep us walking on the right road. The fear of God will bring blessing upon blessing upon your life. You know what I'm, what I'm saying? So... The fear of God is paramount. It's actually the bedrock of the Christian faith. If we lose the fear of God, and again, why I'm bringing this up is because there's so many people out there that tell you you don't have to fear God. I'm saying, well, where does it say that in the Bible? The Bible is full of exhortations to fear God in the New Testament and in the Old. We must fear God. And then we will fear no man. 
Keep on going. Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. Turn to Ephesians verse 9 to 10. And it says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. And that's the times at the end, end times, when the times will have reached their fulfillment and everything is finished to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Together under one head. At that time, everything will be brought under Jesus Christ. Everything will be brought under Jesus Christ. And we will be entering into the millennium. And there's a thousand years that will be awaiting the people of God. And you'll be praying that your... Uh, your well, you, you will be praying firstly that you enter in, in Christ. Amen. That's why we must make sure of it. We must walk out our faith with fear and trembling. You know, we must walk out our faith. You know, if you walk out your faith with fear and trembling, guess what? You're walking under grace. That is the grace that is given you. To fear and tremble before a holy God who will keep you on the right path. And you will that fear and trembling will keep you in prayer. It will keep you from, from straying in the wrong way. And then you will be able to enter into the millennium and you'll be receiving an imperishable body at the coming of Christ. Who, who knows about that? When you receive an imperishable body and you will never die. But there'll be those that will be entering the millennium that won't be entering in that same way. And there's going to be a great move after a thousand years where Satan is released from the abyss. He'll come up and deceive these people. And, and, and they will come against the mountain of God, or they'll come against God. But God the Father will strike them all. He'll, he'll burn them all up like they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. But they say when they come, there'll be like the sand on the seashore. There'll be that many people who are in rebellion to God. Even after a thousand years of pre, uh, peace, a thousand years of peace on earth and prosperity, there will still be those that will hate Jesus at the end of that. And they'll be sorted out. But where are we going to be? Ruling and right. Ruling and reigning. And, and we're, we're also going to make sure we hang around the temple. Amen. Mm. We're going to hang around the temple. Who, the, who was the woman and the man who was always around the temple when Jesus was taken there? Can you remember their names? No. No? Was, we need a Bible quiz tonight, don't we? <laughs> we would all fail that question. Um, yeah, but there was a woman and a man that were all... They, they just lived in the temple. This woman in particular. She just lived in the temple. Who was it? Prophet Anna. Prophet Anna. And, and Simeon. Simeon, that's right. Very good. You get first prize. Anna and Simeon. And uh, they just hung around the temple. And you know what? It's the safest place to be during the millennium. You don't want to go out to Gog and Magog and hang around there. And, and then when Satan's released, you know, hang around for the party. You don't want to be there. You want to be in the temple. Stay away from those people. You know? That's what, I, that's what I'm going to do. So if you want to hang with me, we'll be at the temple. Okay. That's where you'll find me. Alright, Romans 14, 8 to 12. And this will be my last scripture. It says, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Yes. You know, no one ever said that we're going to be here forever. So eventually, we're all, if, if the Lord doesn't return before, we will pass on from this life. That doesn't mean God hates us. 
doesn't mean we're under a curse or anything like that. It just means that we're not meant to be here forever. This is not the this is our temporary abode. Yes. But whether we live, we live to the, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord, and everything is in the Lord. And we we just trust in Him in all of it. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that He might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So when you die in Christ, there's no death has no power over you. Jesus has already conquered death. You then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. And that's what I brought that up for. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. And uh, that's the Lord we serve. That's going to be the end of all things. And I put more stock in that than in anything else that I see in this world. All the lies that are getting taught out there in the, in, in the movies that we watch and all the, you know, the things that people are talking to us all about, it's not true. The truth is here. The truth is in the Word. And we can trust the Word of God. In all its translations, you know, we just, you know, if you compare most translations, especially uh, the, the more decent ones, they're mostly the same. So we don't have to worry too much about that. As long as we dis discern the Word um, correctly we can be guaranteed that this Bible will get us through. Amen. Yes, and uh, we, we really want to um, remember that, keep that in mind, uppermost in our mind as we live out our life. So the last part of Revelation was Revelation 5.14, and it's right to read this bit just now. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell, fell down and worshipped. So the 24 elders and the four living creatures, which are obviously the most esteemed creatures, the most esteemed creatures in all of heaven and earth. The 24 elders and the four living creatures, the highest cherubim you can get, and the highest uh, 24 elders, if they're human, the highest humans who have attained the highest status in the eyes of God, they all fell down on their face and worshipped God. Therefore, shouldn't we?